Hey everyone, welcome to the Coastal Podcast. I'm Pastor Lucas Granger and want to say thank you for listening in. May this podcast bring some light to your world today. Enjoy grace and peace. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Yes. Good morning. Hey, so something we like to do every year, if you were with us this, this last year, uh, we just have a church-wide devotional that we like to go through together as a family. Last year we did My Utmost for His Highest, Oswald Chambers. A few of you guys? A few. All right, all right. Uh, this year, the book that we've chosen for the devotional is You Are the Beloved by Henry Nowen. If you've ever read some Henry Nowen stuff, man, he is just an amazing, amazing author. One of the things I love about Mr. Nowen is this. It, it just seems like everything that he writes is from this place of being before doing. And I don't know, I just think that's what we could use in America. Come on. We could use a little bit, listen, a little bit more being before we're Christians doing, persons doing all the things, busy, busy, busy. So uh, that's just my prayer uh, for this next year, for 2024, to learn to fall into some rhythms of Sabbath and rest and just, be, and just being. Come on, y'all. Amen? So you can get that at Amazon. All right. The book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 1. The scene is where an angel is showing up, and he is talking to Zechariah. Zechariah is serving in the temple. It is his time. He's been chosen to serve. He's in there, and there is this encounter with an angel, and he begins to describe to him everything that's going to happen, especially with the birth of his son, John the Baptizer, getting ready to happen. Luke chapter 1, beginning with verse 17. <clears throat> he will be a man with the spirit and the power of Elijah. Man, that right there alone. I mean, he will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers toward the children, and he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. Now, Zechariah said to the angel, how can I be sure <clears throat> that this will happen? I'm an old man right now, and my wife is also well along in years. You notice how he spoke about his wife. I'm an old man, but she's just well along. That's good language right there, fellas. That's good language. Then the angel said this, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now, since you didn't believe what I said, you will be silenced and unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out of the sanctuary, wondering why he was taking so long. It continues, and it says this in uh, verse 26. The angel shows up again, this time to Elizabeth. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so six months has passed, God sends the angel Gabriel again to a Nazareth village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, who was a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said this, Greetings, favored woman. 
the Lord is with you. To which, confused and disturbed, which is kind of weird, but okay, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Greetings, favored woman. Confused, disturbed, what could you mean by this? Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him, come on, say it with me, Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel this. It's going to sound really familiar to what Zechariah said. But how can this happen? See, I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby we will be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say that she was barren, but she had conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of the Lord will never fail. Come on, some of y'all, that just needs to be your life verse right there. Luke 1, 37. For the word of God will never fail. Mary's, Mary responded. And listen to her response. I am the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. And then the angel left. Amen. Here it is. Two encounters that the angel have, Mary, Zechariah, two specific questions. How can this be? How can I be sure? How will this happen? Two of life's most elusive questions. We want to know how. How's it all going to work out? And even if we knew how it was all going to work out, how can we be sure I mean, what guarantees? We need, some, we need some things in writing. We need some guarantees. We need, to, need you to back this security. Whatever it may be, we want the explanation. We want to be sure. How can it be? Now, this is interesting because Luke opens this book specifically addressing this very question. In Luke chapter 1 at the very beginning, he says, hey, dear Theophilus, I'm writing this to you. So in other words, the, the outwork of everything we're about to read in the book of Luke is a personal letter to a friend that Luke has that's saying, listen, I'm writing this so that you can be certain of the faith that you were taught. Did you catch that? So everything I'm about to explain to you, this letter that I'm writing to you, is to bring about a certainty that you could have in your soul of the faith that you have received and taught. Because listen, you've been taught some things, and you have this understanding, you've had these encounters, but now a little bit of time has gone by. This book was written later. And as time has gone by, now you're kind of in this world, and real life is kind of attacking your faith. And I want you to be sure. I want to give you some certainty that you can believe Everything that you were taught, that it wasn't just an emotional moment. It wasn't just a really good story. It is the truth that you could ground yourself in. And then what's interesting is Luke begins to lay out historical accuracy. He lays out logical consistency. He is 
investigatively uh, doing his job as a good reporter here in this instance, the rigor that he puts into, he goes and he goes and he, he identifies different people that walked with Jesus. He investigates it, thoroughly investigates the claims and puts all of these things into this book. And what's interesting is he starts with miracles. Think about that for a minute. Right from the start, I'm writing you a letter so that you could be sure. And the first thing I'm going to tell you is that there was a barren woman and she had kids in her old age. And then there was a virgin girl and she got pregnant. Hold on a second, Luke. Listen, nobody taught you sales 101. Sales 101, you've got, you've got to slow roll this thing. You've got, you've, got to, you've got to warm the room. You've got to warm the temperature because, I mean, these are, these are some big things, and you're trying to produce certainty in someone, and the first thing you're going to tell them is virgin birth, which has never historically happened. It's, it's logically inconsistent, all of these things that go against certainty and truth that we think, and Luke hits it right from the beginning. Wait, hold on. This is not how you're supposed to do things. Uh, for example, listen, guys, Christmas time. And let's just say for Christmas you want a new set of golf clubs. You don't ask for a new set of golf clubs. You ask for a putter. Come on, y'all. You warm the room. You get the feel of, oh, oh, oh. Hey, the, the movie A Christmas Story, some of y'all seen it? If you haven't seen it, Welcome to America. What's the kid want? The Red Rider BB gun. I actually thought about bringing it in here as a prop. Not a good idea. Security would have tackled me. Don't do that. He wants the Red Rider BB gun. They're sitting at the table. What do you want? I want the Red Rider BB bolt action trigger. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. You got to slow roll this thing. But Luke doesn't do any of that. Luke gets straight to the point. Listen, Theophilus, everything that you're about to read is going to sound unbelievable. And that's why it's so believable. Because think about it. If your job is to describe and give testimony of God, how would you do that? I mean, wouldn't the very nature of God be that beyond your human limitations? So I'm about to describe to you to be sure of your faith and your belief in God, the very nature of him who it's reasonable that he would be beyond us, that he would work in the manner in which we call them miracles. He calls them Tuesday. So I'm going to describe some things that are hard to believe, but it's reasonably believable. It's unbelievably believable because we're talking about God. I mean, for example, so right now, if, if Albert Einstein was alive and he was in the room and I was going to do an interview, wouldn't it be reasonable to think that he would have to dumb down the conversation a little bit so that way I can understand? So that way you could understand? It's Einstein, right? Same thing. We're starting to talk about God here. This is a God conversation. It's, it's reasonable, unreasonable when we talk about God because there's God's reality, and the way God does things, and then there's our reality, and the way we do things, and the way we think things should be done. And that's why we have all of these how questions, because there's this big gap between God's ways and our ways. 
And in, this, in between this gap, there's this thing that the scriptures call, and it's a gift to us that we use that helps bridge it. It's called faith. Faith. Faith in, in, in all of this. And it's not this magical fairy tale. No, no, no. This faith that is grounded in logical, experiential, historical facts. It's consistent that the very nature of God, that he is consistent in who he is throughout the generations. So as I tell you these things, as I talk about this virgin birth, you can believe it. You can have a faith that has been tested and rooted and grounded, and it could stand firm throughout all of human history. Now, this is interesting because even knowing this, Zachariah's first question, Mary's first question is this. Well, that's great, but how? How? How can we be sure? Now, there's a few different ironies to this question. First one is this. It doesn't matter how strong you are in your faith. It doesn't matter how, I mean, how, I mean, you're just a man of God, a woman of God. People just look up to you. There will be a point in your life where you have questions. There will be a point in John the Baptist's life where he's sitting in that prison cell, and are you the one, or should we be looking for another? It's been testified by an angel to his parents even before he was born. He's fulfilled all of these things that has been told, but still in this moment, there's God's way of doing things, my way. I wasn't sure it would end up like this, and so are we sure? How can we be certain? See, faith does this. Faith embraces the questions. Faith embraces the questions but its answers are rooted in who he is, not who we are. It's not about my understanding and my ways. It's about his understanding and his ways. And see, this is completely contrary to what some of you have been taught. Because you've been taught you become a Christian and then you don't question God. You just have faith. That's not real faith. Faith is being able to bring all of your questions to God. And saying, God, I'm, I'm having a hard time with this. I'm, I'm struggling with this. There's your ways and there's my ways and there's this faith in between. It's, God, I believe, but help my unbelief. It's this moment. It's, it's, it's faith is the freedom to ask the questions, but then the courage to trust in the answer giver. Let me say it one more time. Faith is the freedom to ask the questions and the courage to trust in the answer giver. Two individuals, two impossibilities, two different circumstances, old, barren, young, virgin, man, woman, Levitical priest, small village, Galilean town, all of these things, the differences, same question. Another irony of this, how, how can we know? There's kind of, and this is probably the most obvious, you're talking to an angel Right? Like the dude just appeared. Like, you're talking, but how can I be sure? He just appeared. Like, didn't just knock on the door like, hey, I'm here, can we have it? No, like, it's an angel. You're having this conversation. All of the how questions are not answered in life. There are certain how questions that God is not going to give you the answer. Because he doesn't have to. 
But the who question is answered thoroughly. Jesus. And you will call him. No, no, no. His name is above every other name. So in the midst of all of your questions, in the midst of all of the hows, you've got to understand that all of this is rooted in the fact of not who you are, but who he is. The name above every name is Jesus, and he who began a good work in you will see it through. See, your who has to overshadow your how. And for too long, for some of us, we, we let our how overshadow the who, and when we do this, we live frustrated. Because the how, and Luke gets to it right at the beginning, the how is full of miracles. The how is full of God doing it his way, not your way. And his way don't make sense. Most of the time, like, God, but why would you do it this way? Because that's the way he wants to do it. He likes to work in this thing. We call them miracles. I want to remind you of the who this morning. I want to remind you that, listen, some of y'all are stressed about the how, but he who began a good work, he's, already, he's taken you this far. And as the psalm said, I haven't seen the righteous forsaken. He's still working behind the scenes. I have another question for us this morning, and that's this. Where are you with your how questions? Where are you with your how questions? Do you find yourself just compressing them in? Do you find yourself, well, I won't talk to anybody about that because maybe I've been a Christian for 20 years, 30 years, and if I start asking some of these how questions, I, I'm, people might think differently of me. They might think I'm struggling in my faith, even though you are. But I don't want anyone else to know. Do we have a fear of asking the questions? That's what I love about Zechariah. Zechariah is a leader. He's a priest. He has high standing in the community. People know him. People respect him. When he speaks, people listen. And yet here he is in this moment. He didn't let his title outweigh his heart. I'm struggling right here. I don't understand how are you going to do this. I've been struggling. Here's the thing. I would much rather struggle with man's contempt and people looking down on me, people misunderstanding me, than live my life so compressed and literally what I would say, just fermented with fear. Fermented with fear of what other people think about you. Have y'all ever had kimchi? A few of y'all, kimchi's amazing, I love kimchi. You just take a bunch of cabbage and stuff and you just let it rot. That's, the, that's what fermenting is. And then it, all those things, all those flavors come together, and it just makes, and when you open up that jar, it's strong. And here's the thing that you might not know about kimchi or some other fermenting processes. If at certain points in certain jars, if you don't crack it, it will literally blow up the jar. It works the exact same way with fear. See, we compress all of that stuff, and we compress it on the inside, and if we're not careful, if we're not real, if we're not honest, it'll blow up the jar. We'll live miserable, and it'll stink. The stench of fear. Living your life caring what everybody thinks about you. Well, what, what if they thought this? What if they that? All of that, just 
that's miserable, miserable. And I love that Zachariah's like, I don't care about my title. I don't care about anything else. I just, in this moment, I'm struggling, and I'm going to be honest in this moment. I'm not going to live my life to satisfy public opinion and protect my reputation. In this moment, I just, I just let my heart speak what's in it. I don't want to enslave myself to what other people think about me. And I know you don't either. But we live that way on Facebook and Instagram and in our lives. That's why I love kids so much. Because kids, kids they, don't, they don't even care. Kids are just like, I'm going to say whatever I want whenever I want it. I'm ready to go, Dad, now. You know, a little kid just like, I, I don't care if we're supposed to be quiet. I don't care. If we're, no, no, I, right now, this is what's going to happen. I remember having these conversations, and a little spoiler alert, if there's any kids in the room, you might want to go to the other kid's room for a second. I don't want your parents to be mad at me. So we had the Santa Claus conversation with our daughter, and it was just like, what? And you would think kids, like you would think, she, no, 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 she got mad. You're telling me he's not real? And then we had this other thing in our house. Some of y'all know the elf on a shelf. We, we did this. Big mistake. Big mistake. And, and so we did it for like two years running. And the whole thing is like, oh, at nighttime, the elf will come and he'll go and he'll do these things. And, he's, and you got to find him in the mornings. And, and me and Devin would literally like, just like, oh, my gosh, where are we going to put this stupid elf again? And what are we going to? Anyway, like, we, we finally tell our daughter, like, it's mom and dad. We're moving the elf. Into which um, she gets mad. And she looks at us in the eyes and says, Dad, are you telling me I've been talking to a doll for two years? <laughs> My bad, babe. My bad. But you could just see. But then there was all these questions. There was this, but listen, if Santa isn't real, then Jesus isn't real. Because if, if Santa, if I can't see Santa and I can't see Jesus, and it's Santa, then Jesus must not be real either. And, and Dad, when I talk to Jesus, he doesn't talk back, so he must not be and I just love that heart. Just like, let's have this conversation. Let's talk about this. But, I, but then we grow up and we become adults, right? And then we get adult faith. And, and, and our adult faith tells us, no, 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 you just, you just got to suppress all of that. You just got to keep all of that in. And we call that progress. I don't. It's not progress when you stop being honest. Come on. It's not faith when you stop being honest. It's not faith when you've decided, I care more about my reputation, I care more about than letting go the desires of my heart. I love Zachariah and his, just his willingness to ask. And then I look at the response. Now, look at what the angel says, I am Gabriel. I mean, and I, and I don't know this, but you could just kind of imagine, there's this kind of certain bass in his voice right now. Like, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. Like, I just love this. It was like, if you want to know anything about me, know this about me. I've been in the presence of God. I don't know about you, but I want to get around people who've been with Jesus. I want to get, I mean, that, that's even scripturally, that's how they identify the disciples. Oh, we saw these guys, and we could tell. It's not because they're so smart. We could just tell because these are men that have been with Jesus. And, and it's like, all of my identity, everything I am, I've, I stand in the very presence of God, and it was he who sent me to bring you this good news. Now, this is interesting 
Because remember, both people are asking the same questions, but we got two different responses. In Zachariah's case, it's this kind of like, bro, I'm about to take you out. I'm Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. And because you haven't believed, you can't speak a word for the next nine months. And to which brother's like, But when Mary asked her question, how are you going to do this because I'm a virgin? He's like, oh, well, let me give you the answer. Holy Spirit will come in. Holy Spirit will overshadow you. I'm like, come on. Something's going on here. And I'm looking at this. I'm looking at Scripture. Why? Why does Zachariah get this treatment? Why does Mary get this treatment? And I realized it's just like marriage, right? There's this moment where your wife asks you, does this dress look good on me? And you say something like, baby, it looks wonderful. You look so good today. Nah, this ain't the right one. Why'd you even ask me? And then her best friend comes over. What do you think about this? Oh, it's a wonderful dress. Oh, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It looks so good. What? What's that all about? There's really no explanation. It just is. Zechariah just goes mute. There's this kind of confusion. I don't understand why he talks to her like this. And this. But there is a few things. There's a few things the scriptures give us. Now, again, I don't know all the dynamics of this. But in the scripture, Mary gets praised for her faith. Zechariah gets rebuked because of his disbelief. So there's an element where their faith comes into, into the, the dynamic here. And Mary, you're blessed because you believe your faith, the very evidence, the very thing that gives evidence and the substance to the thing that you haven't seen yet. If you haven't figured it out yet, the Bible holds a high regard on faith. Abraham, ah, because he just believed faith, faith. Hebrews, this this hall of fame of people, why? Not because they did all of these things. No, no, no. Some of them actually died by the sword. Some of them were cut in half. Ah, but they were men and women of, come on, faith. 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 Ah, because you've, you've believed. You've believed. Again, I, I love that prayer in the scripture. It's one of my most favorite prayers. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Because this, this prayer is a prayer of honesty. It's a prayer of vulnerability. It's a prayer of unpretending. It's a prayer of saying, listen, there's this admission of God. It's your ways and my ways, and and I'm working my way to get there. But God, I'm not quite there yet. But my faith is ultimately not grounded in who I am. My faith is grounded in who you are. And so help my unbelief. Help me get from here to there. Help me understand that this gap. Help me, help me have this merry kind of faith that when you say things that just sound impossible, like you're, you're going to give birth and you're a virgin and you're going to give birth not only in this virgin state, but you're going to give birth to the savior of the world who's the king above kings and, the one, and his throne is going to reign forever. And Mary's like, I'm your servant. May everything you say come to pass. Whew, that's faith, y'all. That's faith. When God speaks into your life 
at the very point of her, man, she, she has nothing in, in this fight, just like nothing to offer. I'm just, I'm just this little girl in this little village. Nobody knows my name. I, ha- I haven't even been with a man. And you're, you're telling me all these amazing things, actually the most amazing thing in all human history, which is a natural response to be like, how is this going to happen? But then she steps back and says, but yet it's not about my word. It's about your word. And since your word says it, may every word that you say come to pass, and I'm just going to believe. Come on, y'all. What if we had that type of faith? Let me flip the script on you the other way. What if our faith, every time you said something contrary to what God said about your life, he pulled a Zachariah on you, and you couldn't speak a word? Come on, somebody. The news would go quiet. Your Facebook feed would be empty. Right now, this time, like, what if every time you felt the need to give your opinion, you went mute? Come on, somebody. Because it's not about your opinion, it's about the word of God. And every time you just... crickets would get really loud. And, and this is the moment. This is all of this happening. It's the place in which we can ask the questions. But here's what you got to catch, church, and if you don't get anything else, this is a place of growing faith. And the how question is perfectly acceptable. Mary asked it. People throughout the scriptures ask it. But Where it's coming from provides the context in which it grows. If your how questions is coming from the context of how you can do it, it's going to be based on your skill and your ability. But if the context of your how question is who he is, then, oh, that provides a faith into which here is your servant. May every word that you say come to pass. See, it's a whole different context in which it grows because I stand in the very presence of God and it is he who gives me this. See, there's this amazing experience that's happening right now. Wouldn't we love to have this experience? Anybody? No, you're good. You don't want to talk to Gabriel. I would love to. I mean, I'm praying all the time. Like, I don't know about you, but I've never had a face-to-face with Jesus Jesus has never come in the flesh right here and talked to me, and I've never heard the audible voice of God, and I would love it. Like, I would love to have this experience where I'm like Elijah and like, uh, like standing on mountaintops and thundering, and God just says, what are you doing here? I've never heard the audible voice. Never had, I'd love to have an angel come down and just have a conversation with Gabriel. I'd love to have this moment. But, but, but what's, what's, what's crazy about this is we want these experiences, but what the word shows us is, listen, even greater than the experience is the word. Even greater, because look, look at what it says. Let me find it. I think it was 37. For the word of God will never fail. In other words, this word is, is, is more, more in play than this experience. While this experience is great, Mary, while this experience is great, Zachariah, 
The fact is, everything I'm telling you is only happening because of he who sent me to give you. So you got to understand these are his words, and his words are more important than this experience. And you have got to find that place in your life where, God, even if I don't have the experience that I want, I'm going to stand on your word no matter what. If you said it, I'm just going to believe it. To be around people that have been in the presence of God, to be around people that are content to tell me his word and not their opinions. Can I tell you guys, I'm tempted all the time to give you my opinion. I've got lots of opinions. I've got political opinions, I've got pastoring opinions, I've got how to do this opinions, and they're all worthless. And so I do my best week in and week out to say, God, may all of my opinions go in the trash can because that's where they belong. Your word is what I want to teach. Your word is how we want to live. Your kingdom is what we're moving forward. To be men and women of faith that are comfortable with the how questions and we're not afraid to ask them, but at the end of the day, we are a church that's rooted in who he is and the word that he has for us. Beyond even an experience. Even if we have to go silent. Now imagine this moment. Because the angel says, because you didn't believe this is what's going to happen to you. Nine months, nine months, came home to his wife. And Elizabeth got to talk as much as she want. Right? Could you see dinner time? She's just, and he's just like, what do you think about that? And just, just sitting there, nine months, nine months, not a word. Nine months, hand gestures, writing stuff down. Nine months, Elizabeth just loving life. She's like, yeah, this is a good, I got me a good man now. Finally shut up. <laughs> Think about it, though. Nine months, he began to watch his wife's belly grow. This constant reminder of the word that the angel told him. Faith, the substance of things hoped for. He's been hoping for this for decades. Decades of his life, prayer after prayer after prayer. And now in the silence, he's watching it happen until that belly gets this big. And you see the little hand move. And he's faith, the substance of the evidence of things unseen. He still can't see the baby but he knows it's in there. He doesn't know if it's a boy or a girl. There's no gender reveal parties 2,000 years ago. Faith, substance of things, hope for that. Day after day, this silent reminder, this visual of what God is doing. I think sometimes God just needs to shut us up. See, we pray these prayers, and I think we want God to silence the world around us. Sometimes God's just like, I need to silence you. I need to silence you so that way you can step long enough to see that baby grow, to see that dream come into fruition, to see, listen, I'm doing this beyond you, beyond your abilities, beyond your talents. All of this happening, silencing these voices. I think this is one of the great American fears 
silence. We run, we're terrified of the silence. The second things get quiet, we've got to pick up our phone. We've got to make a phone call, we've got to send a message. We've got to have to have noise in the background. We've got to phone a friend. We've got to have the radio on. We've got to keep things moving. Afraid of the silence. I think it's right there in the silence where God wants to speak to us. We want everything else quiet. Sometimes God says, if you can learn how to be quiet. See, I think if you could get silent on the inside, you'll find silence on the outside. And the reason why there's no silence on the outside is because there's no silence on the inside. And we war and we rage on the outside because there's war and there's rage on the inside. And there's contentment and there's anger because there's contentment and there's anger in my soul. Ask the worship team to come up. Ask everyone to stand to their feet, please. Uh, in just a few weeks, we're going to begin the year off with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And one of the things I'm asking us as a church to focus on is silence, is solitude, is learning how to get away with God, to silence other people's opinions and hear his word to get into his word in a place where it's deeper than our experience, to just simply find ourselves responding like Mary, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you say come to pass. May everything you say come to pass. Pray with me for a moment, church. Lord, we stand on your word. Lord, it's believably unbelievable. We can be certain of our faith. Just as Luke told Theophilus, just as you tell us, you tell us the works and the acts of a God who was resurrected from the dead. And Lord God, if you could, if you could resurrect the dead, Oh, just think of what you could do in our situations. Think of what you could do in our marriages. Think of what you could do in our county, God. Think of what you could do with the problems that we're facing as a nation. Think of the things that you could do and the problems that we're facing as a family. The problems that we're facing in our soul. You're the God who resurrects the dead. You're the God who speaks a word. You're the God who overshadows a young girl and causes virgins to get pregnant. You're the God who comes in the midst of a man and a woman in their older years and causes them to have a baby in a time when everyone else thought it was impossible. So silence our doubt, silence our fear. May we find ourselves no longer being afraid to ask the questions but being men and women who live with this childlike faith that says, God, we're grounded in you. 
And Lord, just as kind of my daughter got mad at me in that moment, Lord, same thing that we'd kind of switch the tables and say, you know what? Why have we spent our life grounded in someone else's word? Someone else's reality. Lord, we turn back to you, the author and the finisher of our faith, that he who began a good work, God, you will see it through. If you're in the room this morning and you don't know him, may today be the day of your salvation. May today be the day that, oh, man, just one of the greatest miracles where you're brought from death to life to find yourself in the arms of a loving father. He's calling you home, my son, my daughter. If that's you and you're in the room today and you want to know him, I ask you just to put your hand real high in the air. I just want to pray a simple prayer of salvation with you. Is there anybody in the room? If there is, please keep it real high. I don't want to miss you. Church, let's take a few minutes. Let's just worship together. Well, we hope this podcast has blessed you. In case you didn't know, we are in the middle of renovating a brand new facility right here in Brunswick County, North Carolina. So listen, two things. Please take a moment and pray for us. Also, if you'd like to give to the ministry, sign on to the website at mycoastalchurch.com slash giving. Hey, have a wonderful, wonderful day. Grace and peace.